around the world. The Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Hello, friends. Pastor David Langford here today. We'd like to take the opportunity to welcome you to this edition of The Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. We are humbled. We are blessed that God suffers and allows us to be heard literally around the world here in this very, very special prophetic hour in which we are living in. When I say hour, I'm not talking about 60 minutes. I'm talking about a special time. It's a special time in the earth, special because God is doing something, and we must keep praying. We must keep pursuing the Lord. We must keep pressing in because I believe there's a victory just over the horizon, a great victory, a victory that only God, a victory that only God could bring to the people of God. It can't come any other way. It can only come through God. Matthew 19, 26. For with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I want you to believe that. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. I'll never forget, 40 years ago, my wife and I had just gotten married. We were planning on getting married, and we needed a place to live. And there was a program called Farmer's Home Loan where the government helped people to buy houses out in rural places in the country. And everything was against us. Everything was against us. I had left the Freightliner Corporation, where I was a planner coordinator for the truck company, and I'd resigned. I quit, stepped out in faith, and began to evangelize. And I was making nearly $40,000. This is back in 78, 79. That's a lot of money back then. And my first year on the evangelistic field, I made $8,900. So I made basically uh, 25% or less than what I was used to making that God provided. But the program and the people that oversaw it fought me profusely because I had about $10,000 in my savings account. They said, why should we give you this farmer's home loan when you have those kind of assets? I said, because in June or July and December, evangelists don't get to preach much. Uh, So I'm basically off two months out of the year, and that's reserved for me to survive. But to make a long story short, I remember going out there, and it's just a piece of dirt. There's no house or nothing there. But I got down on my knees, and I opened up a little New Testament. I knew the verse by heart. But I put my name in that verse, 
And I read it this way, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say unto you, David Lankford, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And the, the contractor's name was Lucia Littlejohn. He was a Vietnam veteran. He got sprayed with Agent Orange. He's now Agent Orange. He's now gone on to be with the Lord. He died from that. And uh, But he told me, he said, David, I'll go all the way to Raleigh to fight for you to get this house. And God gave us that house. We moved into a brand-new little three-bedroom, two-bath house, about 1,200 square feet. But I learned something as a young Christian. If you pray and if you believe God, God can do anything. Before I get into the message today, I want to pray a prayer that Jeremiah prayed. As I was sitting here preparing to do this program right now this morning, I just felt led to go to Jeremiah 32. And I want to just pray Jeremiah's prayer because I know that was a prophet of God. I know that man was touched of God. And I want to petition God just as he petitioned God. Jeremiah 32, 16, Now when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands and recompensed the iniquity of the fathers and to the bosom of their children after them, the great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name. Great in counsel and mighty in work or mighty in doing. For thine eyes are upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing which hast set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day and in Israel, and among other men, and hast made thee a name as at this day, and hast brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm and with great terror, and hast given them this land, which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and with honey. Father, I pray today, as Jeremiah prayed, you will give us the land of America. Lord, you'll grant us our petition our pleas, our cries. When I look at the fragility of our humanity, 
I know that we must, by all means, have your hand of help. We must have your touch. Your anointing must be upon that that we do. For without you, Father, we're unable to do anything. Lord, I speak peace and tranquility to every weary soldier and every weary pilgrim in this hour. Lord, I pray that you will pull down the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and cast them under our feet, the church, the body of Christ. I'm reminded of the word in Romans 16, 20, and the God of all peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Lord, in haste, promptness, in a manner that only you can do, Father, put Satan under our feet shortly. Give us divine victory that we would in return give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. Psalms 98, 1 and 2, his right hand, his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. He hath made known his salvation or his deliverance unto his people. Lord, I'm believing like Jeremiah, signs and wonders by your stretched out arm, your stretched out hand over the people of God. We refuse to accept defeat. We plead the blood of Yahshua upon every life in this nation. For those who are lost, I plead the blood that overwhelming conviction will smite their hearts, that even the greatest evildoers will be broken, will be broken as they're sitting in their offices and their official capacity, the deep state, as they sit in their desk, that the Spirit of God would smite their hearts so powerfully they'll repent of their sins. They will cry out to you for mercy and for grace. God, I pray today that you will expose the rot, the putrefying, decaying mess that is beneath the pillars of this nation. For this nation is no longer built upon the foundation of the Word of God, for the enemy has sought to destroy the foundations and the psalmist declared, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The righteous can pray, and we can fast, and we can proclaim the word of the living God, that it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Lord, I'm expecting, as you put in my heart about three months ago, suddenly, unexpectedly, suddenly, unexpectedly. Those were the two words I kept hearing in my mind. Suddenly, unexpectedly. I'm asking you suddenly, unexpectedly, move in a dynamic and most powerful way that the world, Lord, that the world would acknowledge the hand of God in this matter. David said that all the world would know there is a God in Israel when you gave Goliath into his hands. All the world would know, and everyone in the world knows the story of David and Goliath, 
They may not know any of the other Bible stories, even the heathen and the pagan and, and those in the nightclubs and the bars during sporting events talk about David facing Goliath. The whole world knew. Now, God, I pray the whole world will know because not only are there people in this nation praying, there are people all over the entirety of the world that are praying and pleading the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, God, I pray that you'll raise up your church like a mighty army. We will march over the land. We will decree, we will declare, we will proclaim the name of the Lord in spite of the persecution in spite of the spirit of Jezebel that tries to push us down and keep us beneath and not above, as you prophesied to Moses, the enemy shall come in one way, but you would drive him out seven ways, that we would no longer be the tail, but we would be made the head. We would have authority over the, 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 the things of this earth and of this world, and that your righteousness might fill this nation as never before. For when thy judgments are in the earth, then will the people learn righteousness and turn from their wickedness. God, if it means a great and vast judgment on the land of America in the coming days, so be it. Allow it, O God. Allow judgment in the earth that the people might fear you, Lord, even the most vile and wicked sinners and wicked leaders would turn and repent because of thy judgments in the earth. God, do not let our prayers, our fasting, our faithfulness, don't suffer it to be in vain. Reward your people, God. You said you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you, Lord. And I know multitudes have sought you. And I believe you assured me if we prayed, we would have victory, Lord. And I know all over the earth, people are praying, Father. You hear the cries of the righteous. And as the psalmist declared in Psalms 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. This is a global warfare. This is a global battle. I know in my spirit this is far more reaching than the natural mind can fathom and comprehend. This is so vast, so large, so great, so mega that the mind of men cannot fathom nor comprehend it. The intensity of the battle is so great, Lord. Thus we ask you to give us strength, give us power, you said in your word, in Isaiah 40, 31, he giveth power to them that have no might, and he increaseth strength. God, give us power, give us might, and increase our strength in the coming days, that we might wield the sword of the Lord by the power and anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm not afraid of judgment in the earth, because I'm covered in thy precious blood. Just like in the Exodus, O God, when thy judgment came in the earth, and you took the firstborn male in every house where the blood had not been applied. O God, so be it today. 
Let there be a plague or a disease or, or let there be something to arrest the wicked and give liberty to the righteous because we stand behind the blood of the Lamb. We've washed our robes and made them white in thy precious blood. You have loved us. You have washed us from our sins in your own blood. Thus I plead for conviction upon the wicked. And if the wicked will not repent, then God, I pray you will judge them and they will fall into their own snares, their own pits that they have dug for the righteous, trip them up that they might fall, that they might fall into their own snares and their own chicanery, their own evil devices. Let them be snared by their own evil, wicked devices. And we who they've tried to bring into captivity, set us free. The same anointing that was upon the body of Christ while he walked the earth. Jesus, you said you came to set the captives free. Some people are taken captive by the devil and his will. Some are taken captive because of disobedience. Some were born into captivity, but Father, in the name of Jesus, Break the spirit of captivity and give us a spirit of freedom. Let freedom reign throughout the world right now, Father God. The fields are white and they're ready to harvest, but the laborers are few. God, anoint. Break every chain, every shackle, every fetter. And God, put the righteous, put the righteous in places of authority. Put the righteous in places of leadership, O God, just like you did with Trump. As I've said many times, I know he is a man of prayer. He wants people praying and around him praying. Thus, O God, we ask you to give us victory today. We proclaim it. We thank you for it. We laud your name. We extol your name for your greatness, O God. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, for thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Thy name, the name of Jesus, is great in might. Now, Father God, raise up your church, your body, and the earth, that it might be a lighthouse, that the world might see there is power, there's forgiveness, there's redemption, there's reconciliation through the blood of the Lamb. Jesus, our Lord and our most holy Savior. God bless everyone that's listening to this prayer. God, anoint us to pray. Anoint us to pray as we've never prayed before, Father. We ask it in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. May God add his anointing and his rich blessings to that prayer today. Before we get back into the Holy Scriptures, I want to play a song today called The Lighthouse, written by Rusty Goodman some 50 years or so ago. Mike Bowling, Chris Freeman, and Jason Crabb sings this song. Remember, Jesus is the lighthouse to all men. And it overlooks 
Where would this ship be if it weren't for the lighthouse? Where would it be? We need Jesus. Jesus is absolutely everything. Let me encourage you before I get into the scriptures today to turn off Fox News. Turn it off. Demographically, the average age of the Fox News viewer 
is 67 years of age. I fall in that proximity. Many of you may not know it, but Paul Ryan, once Speaker of the House, now sits on the board of Fox News, and the fox has become nothing but a sly fox. It's time to turn our faces toward God, turn off that lying fox channel. They're filling it full of sodomites. I used to have a little bit of confidence in Laura Ingram. She's already given in to the pressures. They're all giving in because they're cowards. They have no rigidity. They have no backbone. They have no intestinal fortitude for righteousness. They've given in. They've been bought. It's been said by the sinful world, every man, every woman has their price. I don't believe that. Naboth wouldn't sell his vineyard for nothing. He would not trade it. He said, it is mine inheritance. Neither will I give my inheritance to the wicked. Find you another alternative news source like Newsmax. There are others out there. Get off of Two Facebook. Get off of Twitter. Get off of this stuff. Show these people that you're not one of them. And let me say one other thing before I get into the scriptures. You have so many people on talk radio. They are in bed with the media, and they're so blind and deceived, they cannot see it. It's all doom. It's all gloom. Everything is doom and gloom. Quit feeding your spirit with fear-mongering. There are fear-mongers out there. Quit listening to them. Quit reading them. Quit visiting their websites. Visit the word of the living God and get the good news. I said get the good news. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. El Shaddai, Elohim, the Holy One of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Get into his word, his news. His news is honest. It is fair. It is unbiased. It is holy. It is pure. It is true. These men are hirelings, and all they're interested in is one thing, money. I read the other day where Zuckerberg gave over $350 million to Democrats in this election. Think about that. Money. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after they've erred from the faith, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. That's the very reason you stay away from money and the gain, as I said last week, of Alexander the coppersmith and those when Paul cast out that demon out of that young damsel who was a lying, divining spirit. All right. Looking back, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. We want to go and we want to talk about the letter. As Paul said, 
that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Next, this letter, he says, if you're not careful, will trouble you that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. And there are three means there, three methods, spirit, word, nor by letter, as from us. Or supposedly from us. Now he addressed this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 9 and 11, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. See the plurality there? So there were, there were those who supposedly forged a letter of Paul's. That I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a one think this, that, such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. So what Paul is saying, what fervency and power and anointing that you witness in my letters, don't think it will be any different when I get in your presence. He said there are those that say my bodily presence is weak, my speech is so frail that it is contemptible. Let such a one think this, that, such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will also be indeed when we are present. History teaches us that Paul was a, a, a man of small stature. He wasn't a large man. Most people believe 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, maybe 5'7", 140, 150-pound man. See, God chooses foolish things to confound the wise. You see, God makes fools out of the world. Men think they're wise. They think they're sharp. They think they're shrewd. They think they're cunning. But God can make men look so foolish because he is God. So we know that Paul said, don't be troubled by letters as, as from us. In other words, that may seem to be from us because my letters, my epistles are going to have the uh, ordination and the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon what I write and say because I'm a chosen vessel. Galatians 1.10, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Some theologians believe for two to three years when Paul was in the Arabian desert, Jesus walked with him and taught him these profundities, the, the, the profoundness. God is the God of all flesh, and he can do anything. The Apostle Paul is saying to the churches, I will be the exact same person 
That's how you perceive me in my epistles, my sermons, and messages when I meet or I see you personally. Remember, Paul is telling them, I'm going to be the same man that you discern in my letters. Oh, yes, they try to mock me. They try to scoff me because my bodily presence may look to be weak and anemic and my words contemptible. You see, they're always talking down about the man of God. They're critical of all men of God. Even the so-called Church, religious people are critical of the man of God. You, you find there are those who find fault in everything about me, my shirts, my hair, my beard, whatever. <clears throat> you know, I could care less about that. I really could. That doesn't bother me. You make fun of me and my Sears and Roebuck, my Walmart shirts. That, that, that's funny to me. That's humorous to me. You make fun of my beard. That's funny. That's funny. You, you make fun of my hair. That's funny. Some of you probably envious wish you had a head of hair. But you, you, you're just like those people that Paul said. You're looking at the bodily presence. You got to get your eyes off of the personage and get your eyes on the message of the word of the Lord. Paul said, I'm not going to be any different when I get in your presence than what you read in these epistles. There'll be no difference. None. See, I know people. They're one thing on a microphone. They're another thing when they're not on the microphone. Curse, swear. I mean, I'm talking terribly. Taking God's name in vain. Getting drunk. They do all sorts of stuff. I've seen stuff that disgusts me to no end, and they hide behind the name of Jesus Christ. And you've listened to them, and you listen to some of them to this day. If you would hear what came out of some of their mouths, you'd, you'd never listen to them again. That's why they're called hypocrites. I said they're called hypocrites. They put a mask on. They're deceptive. They're duplicitous. That's who they are and what they are. I know. I know. If I played a voicemail that was left on my answering machine a year ago at my home, you wouldn't believe what was said to me from a so-called programmer today. You wouldn't believe what they said but I won't do that. But see, I have that. See, if I'm ever, if I'm ever challenged, they know I've got things that they would, that God forbid you ever hear it because you'd turn these people off so quick. You'd say, my God, what are these people? What's wrong with these people? Well, they're hypocrites. That's what's wrong with them. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of power and of spirit, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul says, I don't want your faith in my human wisdom. I don't want your faith in my 
oratory skills or abilities, my ability to articulate. He said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but my speech and my preaching was in power and in spirit by the Holy Ghost of God Almighty. Listen, I have the Holy Ghost. He lives in me, and I recognize people who have the anointing of God upon their lives, and I recognize those who are wannabe charlatans. See, God needs shining light, not shooting stars. They've come on the scene, they last a year or two, and then they're gone. They don't pray, they don't fast, and you can't be something that God has not called you to be. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. David Lankford is what he is by the grace of God. You know, it's amazing how many, how many things people will say, how many accusations they will make about godly ministries. But when God raises somebody up, you're not going to change that. You're not going to alter that. That's God's plan. That's God's will. That's God's purpose. That's God doing what he wants to do because he is God. He, he, he said, I'm the God of all flesh. 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Paul is saying what God did in my life, the way God touched me, I'm not going to allow it to be in vain, which means I'm not going to allow it to be worthless. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to run my life according to the call of God that is upon my life. Galatians 1 and 15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and call me by his grace. I was in prayer this morning. Had a great prayer, great touch of God. And I said, God, I I I now at nearly 66 years of age, I understand one of the reasons you called me into ministry it was for also saving my soul. You say, well, what does that mean? See, when you get into the spirit of prayer, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding becomes more fluid in your life. You see, the call of God on my life demands consecration, dedication, separation. That keeps me saved. That keeps me on the right path. I, I could never just be a Christian. No. Because God called me, I have to be more than just a Christian. I have to be a messenger. I have to bear the burden of the word of the Lord. But that keeps me as a person saved and on the right track. And as I was praying today, that came to me as a revelation. That call, that demand on my personal life, 
that demand on my personal walk with God, that personal demand of my character, that, that calling. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That demands I live right and I do right. Yes, I have a choice. But see, I was thankful this morning in that that call mandates I live a godly life. See, some people don't even, they don't even think about those things because they're, they're never praying. People that pray have encounters with God all the time, whether it be a word, a revelation, knowledge, understanding, a golden nugget as I call them. I love to find the golden nuggets in the word of the Lord. They are without number. But do we pay the price to find the golden nuggets? Most theologians believe there was a letter, there was an epistle, a forgery, written by some deceiver. Why? Satan is always trying to deceive us. Remember, as I tried to hammer home last week, deception, deception. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Matthew 24, verse 5. Historically, Theologians believe that false teachers had come to Thessalonica with a letter that purportedly had been written and signed by the Apostle Paul, and in that epistle, in that letter, there were false doctrines about the resurrection and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Thus, Paul was required to write a second letter, second epistle to the church at Thessalonica to clear up the error because men like Hymenaeus and Philetus had said the resurrection was already past. Now, some people believe the possibility exists. They may have been the men that forged Paul's name and wrote a false epistle. 2 Timothy 2.17, And their word will eat as doth a canker. That word canker there in the Greek means gangrene of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. False letters, false epistles were overthrowing the faith of some believers. Some believers' faith today is being overthrown by lies, by deception. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to keep hammering it. This is not the season. This is not the time for the revelation of the Antichrist. And those of you that listen to that garbage are going to stumble and stump your toe and you're going to fall in the darkness. This is not the time. The time will come, but we're not at that time right now. Satan wants to hasten the revelation of the Antichrist. But in hastening, it assures the acceleration of his doom and destruction. But he's out to kill, to steal, and destroy. <clears throat> Look at how he raised up Adolf Hitler, the, the Holocaust, the, 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 the millions of people that died. 
That will come again in the earth. Hymenaeus, Philetus, you see, Paul identified them. I'm going to be gracious and not call names, but Paul specifically called these men by their names. And he called their names because they were lying, telling many believers that the resurrection was already past. See, Paul teaches there in 1 Thessalonians how that the dead in Christ will be raised first. Hymenaeus Philetus says, that's already happened, creating confusion. I've never seen such a time of confusion and chaos in the church. You got everybody and his brother prophesying something. Every prophecy, every utterance must be measured by one thing. That is the word of the Lord. Let the prophets be subject to the prophets. Everything must be adjudicated expressly by the word of the living God and nothing else. Let me, let me share that again. I, I want to share that again because I want you to get the magnitude of what Paul is saying there in 2 Thessalonians, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4, but I'm going to back up to verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to back up and start at verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance. Again, Paul is demanding that you recall what he's previously said. Now, we're going to get to that in our scripture text in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, where Paul said, or verse 5, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Paul says, remember. The apostle Peter says, remember. Remember. I want to stir up your minds by way of remembrance. So, so we're always being admonished in the scriptures to remember some things. When the tomb was empty, they remembered the word of the Lord. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Sometimes it takes an event. It'll be an event the revelation of the Antichrist, and the protocol of the revelation of the Antichrist. Thus there in verse 5 of 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul said, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Paul knew he wouldn't be here. Peter knew he was going to die. People say they were looking for the Lord to return right then. No, they weren't. Paul, uh, Peter said, After my decease, after my demise. These men knew they were not going to see that. They were living in the, the dispensation of the promise of the resurrection. But they knew they weren't going to partake of that. Getting back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 14, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them, you and I, before the Lord, that they strive not about words of no profit, 95% of the stuff that you read on websites do not profit you. They don't edify you. They don't strengthen you. They don't embolden you. They don't empower you. But for the most part, they instill fear in you. They strive about words to no profit, but to the subverting, which means to overturn 
as a catastrophe producing apostasy of the hearers. You see, what you hear can produce apostasy in your life. Let me, let, me, let me read this again. I want you to get this. I'm, I'm trying to define it as I go along. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit. These false prophets, these false teachers, whatever they're saying to you does not profit you spiritually. But to the subverting, what does the word subverting mean? to overturn, to a, to a catastrophe so great it turns you into an apostate of the hearers, but to the subverting of the hearers. And you're all familiar with the next verse. Study, verse 15, 2 Timothy 2, 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm trying to rightly divide the Word of God. Those running around here telling you the Antichrist is about to be revealed are not rightly dividing the Word of God because there's not a ten-kingdom confederation come together yet. These men are stupid. Yeah, I said it. They're absolutely stupid because they're trying to make prophecy fit their timeline. They're trying to do this with their oratory skills and abilities. Paul said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Oh, no. But in demonstration of power and of spirit that your faith should not stand in the earthly wisdom of men. Don't put your faith in what others are saying. Put your faith in what thus saith the Lord. If you don't, you're going to make shipwreck. That's what Paul said. They're going to make shipwreck. You're going to be dashed against the rocks and destroy your spiritual life. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We must rightly divide the word of truth. Now watch this. But shun profane and vain the word vain means worthless or fruitless babblings. Babblings are nothing but empty words. For they will increase. They will increase. What does that word increase there in the Greek mean? Copious, more, worthless, empty words when? Here in the time of the end, everybody's got a message. Everybody's got a word. Everybody's got a prophecy. Hey, what does God's word say? Look at the accuracy of God's word. And Paul says now, these profane and vain, meaning worthless, fruitless babblings, babblings are empty words, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker or gangrene, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. 
What does it mean they erred? These two men had departed from the truth. When you depart from the truth, the only thing left to embrace is a lie. When you start embracing lies, you become an apostate, reprobate. And what were they saying? That the resurrection is past already and overthrow. That word overthrow in the Greek means to pervert the faith of some. This is what Paul was talking about when he wanted to present the church as a chaste virgin. I don't want you to be fornicated with. You understand that? I don't want you to be messed with. I don't want you to be fondled, cuddled by the world and false doctrine and be fornicated with. That's what that means when Paul's talking about presenting the church as a chaste virgin. You see, false doctrine is a type of fornication. It's spiritual fornication. It is spiritual adultery. Let me share that. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. The Bible says jealousy is as cruel as the grave. But this, this is the right kind of jealousy. I think that's Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 3. Don't hold me to that. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He's not talking about, especially the Corinthians. They were the, some of the most vile, wicked people in the world. He's talking about presenting you chaste, pure, virtuous, because you've not fallen into false doctrine. You've not believed a perverted gospel. You've not embraced a fallacy. That's fornication. David Wilkerson well said it. The devil's fornicating with a lot of God's people. Why do you think Revelation 18.4 says, come out of her, my people? You're fornicating with false doctrine. Let me go on. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul is saying, I fear that the same thing that happened to Eve, the Bible makes it clear, Paul makes it clear, Adam transgressed, Eve was deceived. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, so your minds should be corrupted, perverted, distorted, profaned, from the simplicity that is in Christ. This is not hard, folks. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, this is the false doctrine, which is the type of spiritual fornication, another Jesus whom we have not preached. Or if you receive another spirit, a false spirit, a lying spirit, a deceiving spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, you might well bear with him. There is no other gospel. Whatever is supposedly gospel, it is false, it is fake, it is deception. What is Satan's desire? He desires to pervert it. Galatians 1 and 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed 
from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. See, it's, it's almost like an oxymoron because there is no other gospel. There is no other grace. There is no other Savior, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. This is what Satan desires, to pervert the truth. That's why these people in the pulpits are perverts. They have perverted, they have distorted, they have misrepresented the truth and the purity and the hallowedness and the holiness of God's most holy word. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. You got people preaching all such of heresy, all sorts of heresy, I should say, and, 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 and anemic, weak Christians. You better know your Bible. You better know your Bible. Because if you don't know your Bible, you're not going to know the truth. And the only thing that's going to set you free is the truth. And as Paul well said concerning Hymenaeus and Philetus, they were teaching and preaching the resurrection is already past. It's gone. And they perverted or they overthrew the faith of some. Isn't that tragic? Isn't that tragic? That's why you need to listen to pure, unadulterated Bible teaching and preaching. Quit listening to these jack-leg hirelings. Jack-leg hirelings pulling jack-leg wagons of garbage and perverted gospel. That's what they do. Because they themselves are perverted. For you to pervert something, you have to be perverted. God bless you. Thank you for your love, prayers, and support. I'll see you tomorrow in the Lord Jesus. We're going to keep hammering at the word of the Lord till Christ returns. The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020.